I want to start this morning with a guessing game. I'm going to describe the plot of a movie, and I want you to guess the movie title. Are you ready? A young man with limited means desires to connect with a beautiful woman of prestige. He finds a magic item that has a magical wish-granting genie, and he proceeds to use this for wishes of wealth and influence to try to impress her. And meanwhile, there's an evil being that's also trying to get the wish granter for his own uses. You think you know the title of the movie? It's a movie called Wish Dragon. Is that not the movie you had in mind? <laughs> Wish Dragon is a movie that was recently released on Netflix. And as you've already realized, the plot line is quite similar to a childhood classic, Aladdin. There's many movies or books with this idea, with this imaginative question. If you had a magical genie, if you could wish for anything, what would you wish for? And many times, these stories bring confusion and they bring pain because the ability to wish for anything is never as easy as it seems. Because when you can wish for anything, you first have to figure out what do you truly want? What do you want for yourself, for others, for this world? What is it you truly desire? Of course, for any beauty pageant contestant, the answer is always world peace. As we hold this in mind, let's look to our gospel lesson for this morning. We have two main characters in our story. We have a judge who neither fears God or has respect for people. And we have a widow. It doesn't seem like a fair matchup. Let's start with the judge. Jesus' disciples, upon hearing this description of a judge, would have felt affronted and angry. Jewish law was very strict on how judges were to behave. They were to show no partiality, to accept no bribes, to hear all cases, both large and small, to not bend to human will, but to be truly just. So a judge who neither fears God nor has respect for people is treacherous, especially for those that have no power or influence, especially for a widow. You know, we don't know much about the widow in this story. We never learn of her opponent or of what wrongs she's faced. All we know is about her persistence for justice. We know that she was a woman of action. We know that she pleaded her case for justice. And you know, she could have, after losing, just continued on with her life. She could have complained to all who would hear her about how wrong and unjust and terrible the judge was. 
and how she was dealt with so wrongly in that situation. And she would have been right. She could have harbored resentment and anger knowing that she lost simply because she had no power or influence. That could have been the end of her story, but it wasn't. She may have had little authority or social standing, but she did have her persistence, her determination, her unwavering passion for justice. So she does not just continue on with her life. She goes back to the unjust judge time and time again. She pleads her case for justice time and time again until the judge is so tired of her that he finally grants her demands and gives her justice. How long do you think this took? A week, a month, a year, even longer? I think it's on purpose that we don't get a set timeline for her cries finally being answered. Some days, she surely would have wanted to give up. She would have doubted that change was ever going to come, if her constant pleading was ever going to be answered. In fact, I bet some days, it was simply the ritual of it the habit of it, of going to plead her case every day. I bet some days that was the only motivation that got her in front of that unjust judge yet again. Remember, this parable we read in verse 1 is about the need to pray always and to not lose heart. This parable about the kingdom of God is calling us, as followers of Christ, to be persistent like the widow, persistent in our prayers, especially our prayers for justice, to come knocking at the door over and over, to keep persisting for a better way, a heavenly way, even when the world is full of suffering and oppression. To have faith to continually plead over and over a seemingly unanswered prayer, continuing to pray faithfully even when there are no apparent answers, even when we find ourselves in the position of prayer simply out of ritual or habit, to trust in our just God even when we want to give up, to lose heart, to be overwhelmed by the way of the world. We see great examples of persistent prayer in the Bible, and especially in the book of Psalms. In this book, we get to see the people of God in their honest and rare, raw conversations with God. We read their heartbreak and loneliness, their joy and praise. And we read one of these earlier. Many Christians have found meaning out of taking the time to read a psalm every day, of making this a ritual or habit in their life. St. Benedict, in his rule for monastic life, 
makes it clear that psalms should be read, all of them, every week for his monks. Today we read Psalm 13. In this psalm, David spends the first half of the prayer crying out, looking for answers from the God of justice. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? But then suddenly, in the last couple verses, he completely changes his tone, instead praying, but I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. It's quite the change. In fact, these don't seem to be from the same psalm. But did you notice that the last verses are in the past tense? I trusted in your steadfast love. The Lord, the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. Maybe these verses don't seem to match the rest of the prayer because here we find David falling back on habit, on ritual. Even though he doesn't know how long right now, he can rest on his past, on what he's confessed time and time again, God's continued faithfulness. Coming before God in prayer and in ritual has a way of changing our focus, of changing our hearts as we humbly seek God, as we come into a deeper relationship with the God that we are crying out to. We're told in scripture to pray without ceasing, and we do this through our habits and our rituals. They allow us to stay in communion with God and allow this relationship to seep into all we do and all we are. Put another way, the kingdom of God is like the persistent widow, like the persistent widow who habitually showed up every day to plead her case. In the same way, the kingdom of God works on us, not taking the world by storm, but by infiltrating slowly through human hearts, by changing the world from the inside out, by changing us, by never losing hope, by never falling into despair, despite the world's injustice. As the Spirit works in us through our persistence in prayer, through our rituals and our habits, we find that we start to change and our loves and longings begin to align closer with Christ, with the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is seeking God's justice, a kingdom that is marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is why we repeat these words together every week, why we begin our service by singing in this place among these people, why we together confess our sins and hear the good news every week 
Because as we persistently practice these rituals, these habits, the Spirit is at work within us. So let's go back to that question. If you had a magical genie, if you could wish for anything in the world, what would you wish for? Put another way, what do you truly desire? But if you'll allow me, let me take this a little further. What do you persistently pray for? What rituals and habits help form your life, help form those desires? And what actions are following? As Richard Rohr writes, you do not do acts of peace and justice as much as your life itself is peace and justice. You take your small and sufficient place in the great grand scheme of God. As we persist in our prayers, in rituals that continually bring us into communion with God, we'll grow in our craving for heaven coming to earth, and our actions will begin to bear out our cries. So as we persistently pray for the world to be a kinder place, we'll find the Spirit moving us to listen closer to the heart of those who are hurting. As we pray, persistently pray for the world to be a more peaceful place, we will find the Spirit moving us to take up the role of peacemaker instead of staying silent. As we persistently pray for the world to be a more generous place, we'll find the Spirit moving our focus from greater advancements to human lives. And as we persistently pray for the world to be a more loving place, we'll find the Spirit moving us beyond our siloed communities. As we allow the Spirit to persist in our lives through prayer and ritual, may our desire, our loves and longings continue to realign with God. May we truly hunger for justice and thirst after what God desires. May we persistently pray and act in a way that truly represents the coming kingdom of God. Amen.